I, uh, I guess when you think about me speaking for the third time, I thought of it like this. It's either third time's charm or third strike and I'm out. But, uh, you know, I was thinking as, as we were singing, I was looking at these shoes up here and, you know, Ed and, and, and Gary and, and uh, Troy, they're, they're on their way back right now. They're flying back. They sh- should be back at about 830 They've been in, been in Thailand and been in China trying to find the next mission field for Eastwood in, in Asia. But I want to share, share a little something that has happened in the last couple of weeks. I shared it with Ed before they left and he asked that I tell you all about this because it, it is really a meaningful thing. You know, the students at Chirfung where we were at, the last group, that Eastwood got, got to talk to and work with. And many of you are sitting in this room tonight. They're seniors now. And, and, uh, and Alice and I are very blessed that we talk to many, many of them every day. And, and what's really been surprising is that those senior students are telling me now that the freshmen and sophomores who who don't know anything about the people from Eastwood, are going to the staff and the dean and asking, how do we get those American teachers back? You see, although we're not there, God's still working at that, in that city and in that university. And what a mighty God we serve that that, that can happen. So I hope, to, I hope this week you've been in prayer for these guys and still in prayer tonight for them as, as they return back and we all look forward to hearing what they've discovered and what field they found while we're over there. Um, tonight I want to talk to you about something that, uh, yeah, it was one of the three that I prepared for the last time, but I had to change it just a little bit because it, it had to follow the other one. And, and, and I want to ask you a question tonight. Are you ready? Are you ready? Now, I didn't say, are you ready for what? But are you ready? Everything I'm going to talk about tonight and, 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 and present to you relates to this idea of, are you ready? And I hope you'll kind of keep that on your heart as we talk about this tonight. You know, in life, and, and I can say this because we're kind of the older ones of the church that are here on Wednesday nights, but you guys have faced many choices in your life. Decisions you had to make, choices you had to make. And I'm, I'm very comfortable that when you were in your younger years, that you might, have, you might have said this very statement. You might have said, God, I want to do something significant with my life. Something that will really matter. I think we've all kind of thought that or hoped for that in our lives at some point. And I really hope that even today that you would still think that way. But tonight I encourage you to change that thought just a little bit. Just a little bit. 
Tonight I want you to think of it this way. Whatever it is you want me to do with my life, God, I'm yours. Use me as you will. Sounds similar, but those two statements are very, very different. Very different. And I want to share with you tonight a little bit of mine and Alice's story as we prepared to go to China and how that statement affected and changed our lives. You know, it uh, fall of 2010, so we're going to go back nine years, Dana. You know, it, uh, we all looked a little different. We, some were thinner, some were, had more hair, some, some different. But fall of 2010... Alice and my life changed, changed in a mighty way. And many of you guys have heard Alice and I tell the story of what we went through when we tried to prepare to go to the mission field. You know, at that time, uh, by, by all standards, you would have said, well, Terry and Alice got a great life. Alice was retired. She had lots of free time. I had what, for me was a dream job, a dream job. We had a beautiful home, we had a wonderful family. But something happened in our lives to make us make that second statement. Wherever you want us to go, God, we'll go. Here we are. And I can tell you for a fact that there were members of our family that thought we were crazy. Particularly my family. Not so much Alice's family. My family. Even, even some of my family members really wouldn't even accept the idea that we, we were going we to leave this country. You know, we, I basically quit my job. We sold 99% of everything we owned. Everything. And we got in our little Nissan Murano we had at the time, and we loaded up a few boxes of things, and we moved to Alamo, Texas. Now you say, why did you go to Texas? We knew that we had to prepare our hearts to be prepared to do God's work. And so we went to a cultural diversity school. We worked in Reynosa, Mexico. For those of you who follow the news at all, you know that's Cartel Central. And we intended to stay there for four months to get our hearts right to go to China. But what we found while we were there was that everything we had done after God told us we were going to China was it was, I did this and we did this. And God closed the door. Eighteen months later, we were still in Mexico. We thought we had done everything right to prepare to go to China in four months. And a year and a half later, we were still in South Texas working in Reynosa. 
And I tell you this story tonight because that experience that we went through in that time frame really is what, what I want to talk about tonight. And it, and it was that experience that gave me some insight on how to be ready when God calls. And I can tell you, folks, you may be sitting in those pews tonight and say, well, I'm too old for anything special. No. When God calls, it's in His timing, not in ours. And so we have to be, be prepared. And so that's why I asked you at the beginning, are you ready? One thing that I learned during that time when we were in Texas and Mexico was this. That God calls people to do something special for Him who are ready to do something special for Him. You with me? God calls people to do something special who are ready to do something special. You know, many of us, I think, in our lives want to do something special for God. Maybe you feel like in your younger years you did that. But the reality is, is maybe this is your time when you're supposed to do something special for God. And so we have to look at the concept of how do we get ready. You know, some of you probably think, Terry, I'm too old to do something like you're talking about. But I encourage you to open God's word. Look at Abraham. Look at Noah. Look at Moses. Using my grandmother's words, they weren't spring chickens when God called them to do something special in their lives. So, so what do we do to be ready? How, when God calls you to do something special, how do you, do, you, do you prepare? How do you get ready? Tonight we're going to be looking at 1 Samuel chapter 16. So if you want to open your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 16, that's where we're going to be looking at tonight. And to answer that question, we're going to look at the life, or at least a portion of a life, of a young man who was called to do something very special for God. And that young man was David. Okay? If you remember the story, Saul was king at that time. But Saul was man's choice, not God's choice at that point. And as a result, the people were suffering in a mighty way. And God chose to take Saul out and to choose David to replace him. So tonight what we're going to look at is David's call and God's will for his life. So 1 Samuel chapter 16, starting at verse 1. It says, The Lord said to Samuel, how long are you going to mourn for Saul, since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem, because I have selected a king from his sons. Samuel asked, how can I go? Saul will hear about it and kill me. The Lord answered, Take a young cow with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. 
Then invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will let you know what you are to do. You are to anoint for me the one I indicate to you. Samuel did what the Lord directed and went to Bethlehem. When the elders of the town met him, they trembled and asked, Do you come in peace? In peace, he replied. I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and said, Certainly the Lord's anointed one is here before me. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or his stature because I have rejected him. Man does not see what the Lord sees, for man sees what is visible, but the Lord sees the heart. Jesse called Abinadab and presented him to Samuel. The Lord hasn't chosen this one either. Samuel said, then, Jesus, uh, then, <laughs> then Jesse presented Shammah, but Samuel said, the Lord hasn't chosen this one either. After Jesse presented seven of his sons to him, Samuel told Jesse, The Lord hasn't chosen any of these. Samuel asked him, Are these all the sons you have? There is still the younger, he answered, but right now he's tending the sheep. Samuel told Jesse, Send for him. We won't sit down to eat until he gets here. So Jesse sent for him. He had beautiful eyes and a healthy, handsome appearance. Then the Lord said, Anoint him, for he is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil, anointed him in the presence of his brothers, and the Spirit of the Lord took control of David from that day forward. Then Samuel set out and went to Ramah. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. <clears throat> so this is the story of David's call. When... when, when Jesse's sons were all brought before Samuel. Samuel knew that one of those young men was the one that God had chosen. And that was David's calling. But I think those, those words tonight, they lead us to four things that really talk to you and I about how we are to be prepared. How we are to be ready. So the first thing that I think that it shows us is this. We must be determined to be God's choice and not man's choice. You with me? We must be determined to be God's choice. You know, most of us, and, I, and I'm, I'm so guilty of this, we lead our lives in a way that we look for honor and, and we look for respect and we look for glory and we look for recognition by our fellow man. And, and in many times when we do that, we do things to please that other man than to do those things that recognize and honor our God. You see, when we choose to be God's choice... We set our hearts on doing those things that please God. You know, if we're looking for others to choose us, to notice us, to promote us, 
We do things that please man, and too often we ignore those things that please God. Let me give you an example. You know, I'm one of the most competitive people in the world. It can be an eating contest. It can be a whatever. I want to win. But am I recognizing my God when I do that? Or am I glorifying me in doing that? Makes you think. Makes you think. When we start doing things and saying things like I did or we did this or we all did that, are we glorifying our God or are we putting ourselves on the throne? And I think we have to think about that. Are we, are we doing things in our lives that lift up our Lord and Savior? Or are we putting ourselves on the throne? You see, when we determine to be God's choice, we're able to wait on the Lord with peace until he opens the door that he has planned for us. And he will open the door he may close a few I can testify to that but he'll open a lot of doors we have to be prepared we have to be ready to walk through those doors when he opens them another observation I think that comes from this and and now hang with me I truly believe my friends that when God determines it's time for you to do or to serve in a way. Not only will he tell you. But he will tell others. Now let me prove this to you. How many times has someone in this church. Right here at Eastwood. Said. Why don't you teach Sunday school? Why don't you speak on Wednesday night? You say, well, that's just Ed asking me, or that's somebody else asking me. No, that's God speaking to you through them. It's true. I've seen it so many times. And the reality is God does that because of this very reason. God speaks to us all. And sometimes we just don't listen. And I'm guilty. I am guilty. You know, when God said, you're going to China, I thought, yeah, right. (laughs) China. Nice place to visit, but you wouldn't want to live there. Yeah. Smacked me in the face with that one. And, And I tell you this because I know in my heart that God's telling you similar things. God's telling us there's a man that will fill this pulpit. But we truly have to pray and we have to seek who that man is to be. Because if we don't, we won't hear those little whispers that God's telling us that's who it is. You with me? It's just reality. It's reality. What I'm saying is this. 
we have to determine that if we're going to be used by God, it is to, to be by His choice. And as a result, by His choice, we must please Him in doing that. Okay? The second thing I think our passage tells us tonight is this. That we have to put our efforts into the things that God looks at. You with me? We have to put our efforts into the things God looks at. 1 Samuel 16, 7, we just read it. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. In the verse prior to that, Samuel had noticed Eliab, Jesse's son, and he thought surely he had to be God's choice. He was a tall man, kind of a muscular sort. I think about Ed or Justin. It said, you know, we later learned that Eliab was, was a military man. Kind of the G.I. Joe type, if you will. But God said no. You see, Samuel didn't see Eliab's character. And that's what God was looking at. When he rejected him. His character. Samuel you know, finally asked Jesse after he had gone through all the sons. Do you have another? Is there another? And he said yeah. He said the youngest one he's out with the sheep. He told him to send for him. And, and, and you see, see you, if, if you read those words, don't, don't let this passage confuse you. It said, David arrived and he had a healthy appearance and attractive eyes and he was a handsome young man. And you may think, well, God's choosing another handsome one here. He looks good. But don't read that one passage and get confused on this. Because later, later it said this. In uh, chapter 13, it said that God was seeking a man after his own heart. And although David was a handsome young man, it was his heart that caught God's attention. Now, I ask you to think for just a moment tonight. What if we could go through our lives and we could see people... As God sees them. You don't see the person in the old raggedy clothes. You don't see the person covered in tattoos and piercings. You don't see the fat, bald-headed man. You see their heart. Wouldn't it be amazing if God could give us the ability, and He can... To see people's hearts. Because it would change how we look at everything. I can honestly say that when I was in China. God gave me that ability. We had kids that had nothing. Nothing. 
and my heart just broke for them. Some of them were beautiful, beautiful. Some weren't. But just spending time with them, it would just tear at your heart to realize that unless they made the right choice, those kids are going to hell because they've heard the word. They know the truth, but they don't make the choice. So it's a difficult thing. It's a difficult thing. I ask you to remember that if you want to be God's choice, that he's looking for people who have the right hearts before him. Second Chronicles 16.9 says, The Lord's eyes scan the whole world to find those whose hearts are committed to him. And that's what he found in David. So I ask you tonight, if God truly searched your heart, what would he find? What would he find? I think that's a question each and every one of us have to answer to ourselves and to our Savior. Is that, where is our heart? How, how do we... How do we go through life? Do we, do we treat other people that we meet in our everyday life with what we see? Or do we treat people from what we get from their heart? It's a big difference. It's a big difference in those two things. And I think above all things as Christians, it's got to be here. It's not here. And when we let God, He lives here. Then we've got to allow the way we look at people and the way we treat people to come from here, not here. It's a big difference. It's a big difference. The third thing that I think that the passage tells us tonight is that we have to renew our faithfulness to the tasks that we now have. And the reality is, guys, we all got tasks. You know, for, for Dana, his task, we all know his task. He's the worship leader. You know, people tease Dana about his dancing and his excitement. But now, folks, when you watch him, it's here. It's here. He doesn't dance and get excited because that's his job it's because the Lord's put it in his heart to have joy in singing and worshiping how do we act how do we act how do we respond to the things that God has laid on our hearts it's one of those things we've got to think about you know when, when Jesse was showing all his older sons to Samuel. They asked, where was David? And where was he? Out with the sheep. Out with the sheep. What was he doing out there? The task he had been assigned. He didn't come to the big party. He didn't come to the celebration of the killing the cow. 
He's taking care of his job. And you might understand, you say, well, you know, that was David's job. True. But you have to realize in that culture, the person who took care of the sheep, that wasn't a very special job. Typically the job that servants and slaves perform in that culture. And yet David, the one that was chosen to be the king, was taking care of the sheep. Doing his responsibility. I also encourage you to think about one of my favorite passages in the Bible is is the parable of the talents. In Matthew, you know, in, in that passage, and, and you all are all familiar with it. It said that the faithful servants were told this. Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful with a few things, and I will put you in charge of many things. That's what he tells us today. If you want to do something great for God then you got to do the little things first. You got to worship. You got to be in the word. You got to pray. You got to do those things that God expects each and every one of us to do if your heart is desired to do something great for God. And I think this is a perfect example of that. You see God reached out and he plucked David right out of the sheep pen. And he has the ability to do that to you and I. Right out of the classroom. Right off the university campus. Right out of the business. Whatever, whatever you do in your everyday life, God can just, it's, it's your turn. It's your turn. But are you ready? Are you ready? Because if we're not ready then he won't use us it's just a fact of the matter he won't use us you know the last time I had the opportunity to talk we talked about a such a time as this moment still exists still exists and he'll when it's that time he'll use you if we are faithful to the little things that he's given us. You have to realize that it wasn't for another 10 to 15 years after Jesse anointed David that he took the throne. 10 to 15 years. I was stressed out about a year and a half waiting. David waited 10 to 15 years. But what was he doing in those 10 to 15 years. He was found faithful. Taking care of the sheep. Taking care of the flock. Doing those things. That he was expected to do. So I ask you tonight. Are you faithful? Are you and I. Faithful. To the things that God asks us to do. One of those questions that might be hard to answer sometimes. But we have to ask ourselves that question. The final thing that I think the passage tells us tonight. Or at least the fourth thing if you will. 
is that we have to accept God's timetable, not our timetable. And my family sitting back there, they know this so well. I have that much patience. And that would be an overestimate right there. You know, I've always been one of those that I want it to happen yesterday. And boy, that year and a half in Mexico and in Texas, that stretched me. And a fat boy can stretch, but now it stretched me. Because that's not, that's not the way I function. That's not the way I, I don't perform well when I can't control things. But he showed me very quickly, it's not about me. It wasn't anything to do with me. It was about him and his time. Now we've never shared this story with anybody outside the family, but I'll share it with you now. You know, we couldn't figure out why God would leave us stuck in Texas. Sorry, Dana. Leave us stuck in Texas when we, our whole heart was to go to China. And he left us there a year and a half. But we found out that in that interim, when we were supposed to be there, that on the very campus we were to teach in, there was an uprising. The police came in, took Mongolian people, put them on the stage in front of the entire Mongolian class, and shot them on the stage. I was on that stage many times. You see, God, God knew. God had a plan. And for us to have been successful there, he obviously kept us out of that situation. Just as he took us out of China. You know, I I knew I had to have this back surgery thing and all this, and the plan was to go back. But when he took us out, it was so hard for me. We never could tell the kids a goodbye. Couldn't hug them for the last time. But we realized that when he took us out of China was when things got really, really bad in China. Once again, we serve a mighty Lord. He's got everything under control. But it's in his timing, in his way, and not our way. And boy, that's hard it's hard for a lot, and I know folks in this room, that's hard for a lot of us. But we have to accept that. We have to learn to accept that it's in God's timing. Now, I'm not suggesting this. I, I've heard people say this. And bless bless my, my grandfather's heart. I heard him say this many times. He often said, I'm not doing anything in the church now because I'm waiting on God to tell me what to do. 
You ever heard that? I've heard it in this church. Just because he hasn't told you what the next step is, doesn't mean we stop. Our job's to further the kingdom, to spread the word worldwide. So how can we say we're waiting to do anything until God tells us? We know our task. Until he gives us another task, carry on. Carry on. How easy would it be for us? We we don't have a full-time pastor. How easy would it be to not come on Sunday? How easy would it be to not be here on Wednesday? How easy would it be to say, well, if they get one, I'll go back. It's not what he calls us to do. He calls us to go on. To go on to do his work. And then when he puts the man up here, We'll still go on. That's what we're called to do. That's what David did in his time, in God's time. You know, I I told you the last time I spoke, you know, Alice is the reader in the family. I'm not the reader. But I have read a book or two. I have read a book or two. This one, (laughs) and another book that that I encourage you, if you've never read it, get this book. This book's called Twelve Ordinary Men. Twelve Ordinary Men is written by John MacArthur. And, And that book really helped me to realize that in doing God's work, he's not looking for superstars. He's not looking for 6'2 guys. He's not looking for perfect women. He's not looking for perfect anything. He's looking for people who are willing to step out and say, here I am. Told the story of the 12 disciples. And that book really made a profound impact on me into thinking about, you know, I'm, I'm starting to get older. And like a lot of folks, it's easy to say, well, we'll let the younger folks do it. But it doesn't work like that. If we don't show the younger people how to do it, how do we expect them to do it? Those of us sitting in this room tonight, we are the ones that have that responsibility. Every one of us. To teach the next generation how to be followers of Jesus Christ that's our job it's one of our jobs that we have and at Eastwood it's important that we don't forget that but I think I think to kind of wrap things up tonight you guys have probably all heard of a gentleman by the name of George Mueller George Mueller was a was was a godly man in England and he was a man that he's probably most well known for starting a number of orphanages in England. And what was unique about Mr. Mueller was that he never went out and solicited for any funding, anything, to run those orphanages. And yet God provided every day. Every day he provided. Why? 
because he was doing God's will. George Mueller said this, and and I want to read you this quote that he said. It said, I seek at the beginning to get my heart into such a state that it has no will of its own in regard to a given matter. Nine-tenths of the difficulties are overcome when our hearts are ready to do the Lord's will, whatever it may be. When one is truly in this state, it is usually but a little way to the knowledge of what his will is. Did you catch that? Get our hearts in such a state that our only desire is to seek God's will. So I ask you tonight, I ask you to think tonight. I started by saying, are you ready? Are you ready? Have you determined in your life to be God's choice? Or are you satisfied with being man's choice? Something you got to think about. Something you have to think about. The second thing is that do we put our efforts into those things that God looks at? That's your heart. Is that where you put your efforts? Do we always find ourselves faithful to the little things God asks us to do? And finally, can we accept that in doing God's work, it's in His timing and not ours? Those four little questions really make a big deal. And it changes how we look at things and how we as Christians have to approach things. So as Dana and the musicians come, I want to ask you tonight, are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready and willing and able to accept whatever God's call is for your life? Are you ready to accept that we've got to seek the next man to fulfill this pulpit? Are you ready to assume the responsibility that it's our job to teach the next generation and the generation after that? Most of you guys got grandbabies. I see you smile when I say that. Sadly, sometimes it's the grandparent that makes the impact. But that's your job. That's the task God has given you. So are you ready? Are you ready? In just a moment, the musicians will will play. This altar will be open. And I ask ask you this. And and I see see Brother Rick in the back. I'll ask Brother Rick to come forward if somebody wants to come forward. If you don't know the Lord and Savior as your Lord and Savior tonight, why not? Aren't you ready? 
aren't you ready? If you're looking for a church home, we don't have a full-time pastor. But we have a Lord and Savior that's in this place. Are you ready? What's keeping you from coming? Is there something in your life God's telling you to do? And you say, no, not me. I'm too old. I'm not ready. Why? Why aren't you ready? Why aren't you ready? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for tonight. Lord, and we thank you for, we thank you for your word. Lord, David's life teaches so many things. And we know later in his life, he made some terrible choices. But Father, he was a man after your heart. And Lord, I would just pray tonight that you would find us as people after your heart. That you would find us ready for whatever that is that you ask us to do, Father. Lord, we thank you and we praise your mighty name tonight. For it's in your precious and holy name we pray. Amen. Let's stand.